Today on the show, we have uh, Peter Freeth on his LinkedIn profile. His, his tagline is creating knowledge in talent, leadership and culture, executive coach, expert in communication structure, author and human. So quite an impressive uh, array of uh, things that you do and are. So um, maybe we could start off by just um, if you just sort of tell your sort of story, how you got to be um, where you are today. Um, well, back in 2002, um, I decided to, uh, take a voluntary redundancy package from the telecoms industry where I worked before and, um, and do my own thing. I think, uh, over many years in the corporate world, I'd, um, I felt like I'd essentially become unemployable in that, um, I, I was finding the corporate environment more and more restrictive. Yeah. And, um, to my way of thinking, I think uh, even more than my way of working because yeah, it was a, it was a, you know, pretty flexible working environment um, even, even back then. Uh, and I thought, well, if I become self-employed, what, what will I do? And, um, and so I figured I'd, I'd do this for as long as I, I enjoyed it. And if I ever stopped enjoying it, I'd do something else instead. Um, so that was, uh, it was that 18, just coming up on 18 years ago. So, you know, it's still going out okay. There's been, been some ups and downs, obviously. Yeah. Um, but it, what the kind, kind of things that interested me were, were sort of people and, and people's behavior and, you know, a, a cliche of why people do the things that they do. And, you know, I suppose there was a lot of self-awareness in, in that as well and understanding myself. But, but really, um, you know, I just started off doing some, some simple, you know, workshops and coaching as it was then. Um, around things like communication skills and team building and leadership and management development and so on. Mm. And I suppose all, you know, over years that's evolved into what I do now. So one of the things is modeling high performers. So, you know, typically if we take a, any team, like a team of salespeople, for example, a team of marketing people, store managers in retail, you'll have one or two who will outperform the rest of the team put together. And it isn't immediately obvious what it is that they're doing that's different. And so what I have and, and have developed is a set of tools for getting inside that person's head uh, as a unique individual. We can't generalize. It's not about sort of psychometrics or anything like that. They're much too generalized. Um, and finding out what is it that makes that person different? Well, how do they see the world? How do they see the working environment? How do they see customer relationships differently? And then how do their perceptions then lead to <clears throat> different decisions? And then those different decisions lead to different behaviors. And in that unique relationship between them and the organizational culture, those behaviors then lead to outstanding results via whatever method that that organization measures performance. So, you know, typically somebody who's going to be an amazing salesperson in one organization, you know, in the old, uh, you know, again, a, a kind of a cliche really is that you, you, a competitor will hire that person because they're an amazing salesperson. And then in another organization, they won't perform. You know, and they'll say, oh, we lied in the interview or the recruiters, you know, told us, a, a, you know, an untrue story about him. But everything was true. It's just that that person is misaligned to the new organizational culture because but, you know, I, think we, I think we tend to put superstars on pedestals and say, you know, this person's unique and amazing. But actually, it's the relationship between the person and the culture, which is what's producing the, um, the unique results. So. So the creating knowledge part of my um, of my job title, as it were, is uh, is I don't take off the shelf stuff like training or coaching models. I create them um, from this kind of research, from modelling. You know, okay. what, does, what does an outstanding leader in this organisation do, and then how can we develop more people uh, with that sense of alignment with the culture? Okay, all right. So let's let's backtrack a bit. So so um, so you left the corporate world in two thousand and two, and then you mm -hmm. did all these courses, and then you started uh, developing your own sort of um, technologies based on you know what you were learning from the courses. And I know one of them was NLP, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. Uh, that's why when you talk about modelling, because because I, I did uh, an NLP uh, master practitioner course as well. So I know that's one of the things that is is in there and i also came across in a book by richard bandler and i think it's a great idea where you get you 
because uh, we're all, all different and we'll perform differently and just to look at the top performers and to just see what they're doing different. Then mm -hmm. it might just be something internal, mightn't it? Some form of self-belief or something that they can yeah, do. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, if we, if we take the view that everything is learned through life experience and that person has had a set of life experiences which predispose them to doing the things that are valued in that particular organisation and... Uh, we we often don't see what that is because if you're one person interacting with one person yeah. you're only seeing what they show you and how they respond to you yes and actually if you start to look at how they're interacting with other people and you start to see patterns emerging at a, at a deeper level that's driving their decisions around behavior then you start to get an insight into how they're thinking that's different yes them. so this modeling it's not people think oh well that's obvious you can just look at them and just see and just copy that but it's not because you have to really analyze in depth how they are in a range of different situations and so on yeah that's a good point it's definitely not copying because what copying yeah. leads to is people who are copying a set of rules and they have no idea why so they yeah. can't improvise they can't adapt and fundamentally yeah. those rules won't work Yes. because those rules worked once if we look at say a high performing salesperson yeah, it yeah. will look if you look at them over a series of customer interactions it will appear like they do something different each time yeah, yeah. but actually if we look at the deeper patterns they're actually doing the same thing every time but they're adapting to different customers yeah so it's not just the surface behaviors you've got to really understand where they come from and especially i suppose a set of core beliefs and and attitudes and so yeah. on that are behind them yeah that's true and this is where someone like you can come in because you know this is something you do quite a lot you're skilled in, in this sort of analysis that's why if a company hired you you'll be able to sort of do this you know a lot quicker and a lot better and, and enable this sort of modeling to um take to take place a lot more effectively and also to be able to sort of package that up and clone it and sort of try and teach other people how to uh do the same sort of thing yeah i think that's the essence of it is it's creating something that's then absolutely unique to them yeah okay and you also mentioned that um it's not just the person it's also the organization because they could have so, you know a brilliant amazing person but if they don't recognize him as such or if they don't give him or her the correct opportunities then they're sort of wasting all that sort of potential yeah and it's just in the simple things that managers give recognition for so for example if we go back to the idea of a sales team it, you know, the sales manager might say that what they measure is, um, let's say, uh, sales order value measured in quarterly uh, target periods. But what they actually give recognition for by noticing and commenting on and giving praise for is busyness. And so what you'll tend to find in that culture is salespeople who've got to forecast as long as your arm, but they don't close anything. Right. Because as soon as they get to the point of closing something, it's either win or lose. And if it's lose, they've got to take it off their forecast and they don't look busy anymore. Yes. So the way that they look busy is by always going to loads of meetings, but yes. their sales cycles don't progress. Um, yes. And ultimately, whilst that manager may be satisfied that he's got a, you know, a busy, productive, you know, a busy, hardworking team, ultimately the business isn't making enough money. And that will then, um, you know, sooner or later, that sales manager will go. Um, and then the culture will change because somebody else will come along who, who values different things. That is a good point because I, well, I used to um, work in the corporate environment. I used to be a chartered accountant uh, in industry and I always used to feel pressure to look because I'm busy. Even if I'm not busy, just try and pretend to be on busy because uh, otherwise if you just sort of sat there, <laughs> uh, people start to make comments and stuff and they think you're not doing anything and, and so on. Whereas I was able to automate things using, you know, complicated spreadsheets and macros and things. So literally, I, the same job someone else was doing, I could do a lot quicker. So I just could just press a button and it sort of did it all automatically. Yeah, so, and, and I was far more valuable. Time? And then the challenge is, what are you going to do with the rest of your time? Exactly. So yeah. Your colleagues Long aren't horrible to you up, because yeah, you make them look lazy. Yeah. And I think um, that's why it's important for business to really focus on results paying by results and so on uh, rather than how busy people look because mm. uh, anyone can pretend to look busy and, and stuff so. well and, and what's happening at the moment is uh, obviously with a lot of people working uh, at home is th the manager can't see people anymore which and is so quite an advantage actually, measures, you're the, um, otherwise, yeah. you know, the whole thing falls over and yeah. i know somebody who works in a, a sales team for a 
kind of a medical products kind of company. Um, and they have a sales meeting every day at three o'clock. Totally pointless. Yeah. None of them are selling anything. Right. Because they can't go out. <laughs> well, people feel they sort of have to justify their existence, don't they? Or be seen to be justifying their existence. Yes. Mm. Okay. So let's have a look. Um, I'll just share my screen and uh, we'll look at some of your uh, websites and so on. Because I, uh, I found three different websites from you. So I started uh, on your LinkedIn profile and right. um, I clicked on I think more not there somewhere there's uh, co contact contact information there we go well, contact I can never find that on LinkedIn <laughs> and they've got your three three websites your email and Twitter you've right. got an, an IM I don't know if that still works. Because if you're on, if you're both on LinkedIn, it makes more sense to use LinkedIn Messenger than I am anyway. But anyway, so so the, talk me through. So the, so we'll talk me through this. But what's this website about? Genius at work. Uh, so that's a blog that I don't really write very much, but I mean, luckily you, you can see a fairly recent post on there. Yes. What I tend <laughs> to do is write LinkedIn articles. Right. Uh, which I find are the best way of growing the LinkedIn audience. Well, and, and then I'll copy and paste the LinkedIn articles onto the Genius at Work blog. Okay. Um, because there are people, if I post it to other um, sites like Facebook and Twitter and so on, there are people that either don't have LinkedIn or aren't connected on LinkedIn who then complain that they can't read the articles. So um, yes. I'll just cross post them on the Genius at Work blog. So do you, um, do you prefer doing, because I love doing videos. And I think video, I mean, I, I prefer, I think videos are more effective than article personally. Uh, I, I don't know if, if can, I can prove it objectively. But I think, for example, if, if I was thinking of hiring you to come and into my business and improve efficiency, I think, you know, your personality and your skills and, and your ideas and everything just come out a lot better in a, in, in a video than in, uh, than in a blog post like this. I mean, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I, I, I think you're right. And I think a lot of people do seem to like video. I think, I think the problem I've had for, for many years is because I don't want to watch videos. Right. Um, because I find them very boring and, and interrupting to watch. I would rather read something. Okay. And so I just do what, what, I, what suits me rather than suits yes. other people. And, um, and so probably for the last few months, I've been doing more videos and certainly since... Oh, you have? Okay. You know, since the pandemic lockdown started, I've do, done a few more of those. But I'll generally do videos for other people. So I've, I've started doing online courses and I've done some CPD videos that have gone out through, through other organizations, platforms, as they've tried to move some of their work online. Okay. Um, so these sorts of little short video clips that you get where somebody's sitting in their car or... Walking. Oh, yeah, those. Yeah, no, I agree. A lot of those are boring, yes. I... <laughs> No. <laughs> I, <watch> <laughs> I mean but, there's video and there's video isn't there yeah, yeah so i don't think the point of just doing I, video just for the sake of it yeah i think um uh, i think you're right i think I, I probably ought to do more more videos because i've set up the the office at home to do more videos so i've got a background and a light above me and and so on so uh yeah um, and i think also people start to build a relationship with you better you know it's like they feel they they know you better because uh, yeah know, <clears throat> i've got a youtube channel that's um have you that, you don't link to that anyway do you i couldn't uh, that's a good point i don't think that is linked from linkedin is it i don't think it's got a, a specific it's not linked it's not on linkedin and also on your other sites i saw uh you've got you've got these at the top uh twitter facebook and oh that's a good point let's have a look at youtube for you shall we um, This one? Oh, 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 that's me. This is, this is me on YouTube Live. This is us now. That's number one. Three, on if you go three down, that's, uh, or four down even, there's, that's definitely on my channel. That one, okay. Yeah, that's, that's definitely on the channel. Oh, there, there you can see the all. There we go. Okay, so let's... Uh, so these are sort of talking heads videos, testimonials and training, actually. Okay, so you, you do you teach uh, NLP master? I do, yeah. Training. Yeah. Okay. So that's one. So you have to be approved by 
like the whoever owns the NLP brand to uh, do that, don't you? Or I not? am. <laughs> <You're>. <laughs> a lot of people who aren't. <laughs> okay, really. But I know um, the NLP, they have been sued, I think. I, I, didn't they uh, sue Tony Robbins? Uh, they tried to. Yeah. Okay. They tried to, but failed because it was already in the public domain. Agreed out of court, wasn't it? Whatever. Yeah. So there's, a lot of, so there's a combination of some talking, me talking to camera, yeah. testimonials, and, um, uh, and if I'm doing anything like a, speaking at a conference, I'll tend to record it and put it up on YouTube. Yeah. So I've just sorted here by number of views. Uh, so, and I like the titles. So you think you know Metamodel, question mark. Everything you know about NLP is wrong. Yeah, and I love the picture, the famous curiosity, uh, provocative, polarizing statements. Yeah, great stuff. I found they were very effective, at, particularly at the NLP conference. Yeah. Um, getting the most, uh, the most participants in the room. And certainly, so you think you know Metamodel, I think I had about... 80 people or so in the room and uh, and I also live streamed that one on Facebook at the same time okay I had a lot of people watching live as well and yeah I think I mopped up pretty much everybody at the conference there. really wow. um, so getting people in the room yeah and I think you know as probably as, as you would advise as well that getting age people in the room is nice but it's what you do with that afterwards that, that counts but this one has seven thousand views yeah i didn't know that actually that's pretty good 80 in the room now how did you get so many views for this one i don't know you linked to it somewhere uh probably but not much i think yeah, that would be mostly much. organic because so what meta model is is um it's the it's the underlying language model of nlp right it's a way of um of understanding how we organize our experience of reality uh, that is represented through the way that we organize our language. <clears throat> so if you think of any word that you would use to describe an experience, you could use hundreds of different words. Why do you choose yeah. the word that you do? And that's because that matches a, a pattern of your experience of life. And that will therefore then also dictate your choices and your behaviors. Yes. So by understanding the structure of a person's language, we can actually understand how their brain is wired up it's you know, yes that's straightforward. So and, you also, and also do you encourage people to use different language to use different words uh if if they change the way they're thinking their language will change naturally yes okay if you forcibly change someone's language or get them to, to consciously do that it can have some some useful effect in reverse but it could just end up just translate using that word but really thinking of it as the old could, could yeah it can actually create yeah. more conflict as well so yeah so things like affirmations for example if you're saying something that you'd like to be true but you currently believe that it isn't yeah. it just creates more conflict which actually is counterproductive so, so. you don't recommend affirmations uh, affirmations you have to be really careful how you word them okay well, not, not a bad thing in themselves but as, so just as go, go go into that a bit, a bit more what what were the what are, the, what are the traps if you word it wrongly and how should you word them? Well, for example, if somebody every day was saying to themselves, I'm a, I'm a confident person, and in their heart they know that that's not true, right. they will feel that conflict every time they say those words. And yeah. those words will become more untrue the more they say them. Okay. Um, so, and I think one of the biggest problems we have in the self-help industry in general is the whole thing revolves around the que a faulty question. The question is, what do you want? You can have everything that you want and you can have anything that you want. Want doesn't mean desire. Want means lack. So what the whole self-help industry is, is doing is focusing people on what's missing, which is creating a pattern of addiction to the self-help industry. Wow. And so if we focus people on what's missing, what will tend to happen is that you'll get more of what you focus on. So if you focus on what's missing in your life, you won't get that because you only know it's missing yeah. because you're comparing yourself to other people who've got it. They're not you. They're not living your life. Yeah, yeah. So instead, if, if you feel like you're not confident, <clears throat> instead of saying, I am confident, which isn't true, mm. you might say something like, um, I can find something today that I can do more confidently than I did yesterday. Yes. Okay. You, so you're you breaking it down. To, focus. Yeah. You're changing it from something that you know is, is not true. So it's going to make you feel bad that it's, it's you're saying something not true and it's, yeah. it's actually going to make it less true. But instead of that, you just see something that is obviously very achievable. You're saying one little thing, you can feel a bit more confident. Of course, that is true because we can all do that very easily. 
So you're saying that something's obviously true and it's like a sort of lower step and so that makes it a lot easier to just accept as, as true and, and just, uh, yeah, absorb. Yeah, yeah, so that makes a lot of so sense. Yeah. Can I hold my pencil more confidently than I did yeah. yesterday? Yeah, yeah. I, I could do that. Yeah, and I suppose steps. that's the problem. A lot of, like, um, people doing these affirmations and self-help don't really know what they're doing and don't really sort of understand this sort of thing. Well, it sounds like a good idea. If I say yeah. it, it'll become true and it's not, not the case. Because what's happening in the brain is that the brain is, is a map of your experience of life, including all of your future hopes and, and, and fears, of course. And so what's happening is the brain is comparing two maps of reality. One is present reality as I experience it through my senses. And yeah. the other is some, something that I would desire or plan or expect to happen later on. Yeah. By comparing the difference between those two maps, the brain works out a pattern of firing of neurons, which activate muscles, which move my arms and legs and then make my, you know, so if I decide I want to go and make a cup of tea, I'll think about it. My brain will calculate, uh, oops, calculate a set of instructions to get me there. Sorry, I just hit my microphone. Okay. <laughs> um, we'll calculate how to get there. If the brain can't calculate a route because those yes. maps are too far apart yes. or because one of them is too abstract, yeah. then what you'll end up doing is just go around in circles. Of course. Um, yeah, it could be overwhelming for tasks too overwhelming and impossible. Exactly. You'll give exactly. up, go around in circles. And what you need is to break it down to a little step-by-step -step thing. Yeah. yeah. And the brain doesn't differentiate between degrees of change, whereas a human being marketing an NLP training course or a self-help product will be looking for massive change and transformational life-changing revelations and all this sort of stuff and actually getting people to take small changes every day. So if you always stir your tea clockwise, mm. stir it anti-clockwise. Mm. In terms of the, the wiring of the brain, that is as much a change as changing career or, or you know, becoming, starting your own business. Um, because ultimately those big goals only happen as a result of lots of very, very small motor functions, your arms and legs moving. You know, so, you so, so you gave that example of stirring your teeth the other way. Is some, that's something you recommend doing? Just, Absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, just changing Anything, the way you, you know, it, So if you have a shower every morning, if you wash your hair first, wash it last. If so you, the idea of that is to um, just make you less a creature of habit and to exactly. make... Exactly. disrupting... The, the patterns, the, the, hard, the habits and the, the habitual wiring within the brain because a connection in the brain that, that, that leads to you stirring your tea is functionally no different to, a, to a, a connection in the brain that makes you have a conversation with somebody or makes you, you know, feel inclined to do something that yesterday you put off through fear of failure. And is this a sort of... Um, I also get the feeling that most of us spend most of the time pretty unconscious it's like we're on automatic you know oh, totally. made to be sometimes you get to be and you think well did i really drive what was i doing you know it's, it's all happen automatically and we've yeah. got this voiceover and really we're like we're thinking of a holiday or what's on tv and stuff like that oh, and that, so, that's true yeah we're along for the ride this is a, this, so this is a technique to try and bring us out of that sort of unconscious daydreaming to something more more conscious where we have more ability to sort of direct our thoughts and you know do what works and so on so yeah certainly that's that's true and some people would call that mindfulness and yeah i would call it um it, it's what happens is the the brain will release certain chemicals in order to facilitate changes of, of wiring of rewiring of the brain and if you want to do something different fundamentally you have to start by thinking differently yes um because thoughts become action uh, and i don't mean that in a metaphorical way i mean literally thoughts firing patterns in the brain become actions my my hands are moving yeah, yeah um and if my hands move to type an email and press the send button i've communicated with somebody as a result of that actions and something will happen as a result of that communication so yeah there's a very clear sequence of events that gets us from where we are to where we uh plan on on being in the future because the future doesn't exist of course so the, the only yeah. thing that really exists is, is the present moment and therefore what counts is what are you doing now and uh, mm. which i guess is you know is what you're focusing on in terms of you know marketing what what are people doing now what are they yeah. not what they say they're going to do tomorrow yeah i mean i also find um because my mind tends to be very busy and i'm doing one thing i'm thinking all these things and then the next thing and I find what's really helpful is just to sit and do nothing or what I, I do is, is I meditate actually most mornings and I find that in that time when I'm sort of trying to watch my breath or whatever 
sometimes these amazing thoughts come for about business and then I always like write it on my phone to capture it so that's actually my most creative productive time of day when I'm deliberately trying to do nothing so. mm. yeah yeah it's a good point and that's yeah. been part of you know creativity and lateral thinking uh research and <clears throat> and you know and, and training and, and books <clears throat> and stuff for, for decades yeah you know that we know that and yet still people feel I've got to do something that's right. And it's all about relationships with other people. I've got to, I've got to be seen to be doing something. Yeah, like yeah. you said earlier about being seen to be busy. You know, yeah. when I worked in the corporate world, I would spend whole days walking around an office doing absolutely nothing all day, armed only with, with one of these. So if I had a blank sheet of paper in my hand, yeah. I could walk around an office for a whole day and uh, nobody would ever ask me what I was doing. That's, that's a good tip. <laughs> I mean, if you're at work and things are on top yeah, of you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just need to take a break and clear my mind. Yeah, yeah. You're afraid that people are going to ask you, what are you doing? Why aren't you at your desk? Just walk around. Yeah, yeah. Nobody yeah. will question you. And walk quickly. Like, oh, can't stop. Okay. Can't stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it helps if you have a big office, I suppose. <laughs> Otherwise, it could look a bit suspicious. Yeah. yeah. But as you say, this is one of the advantages actually of the lockdown and doing a lot more stuff, you know, on Zoom and at home. We've got more ability uh, to control our environment and our pace of work and so on. If we're working, I would that. hope so. I mean, I, yeah. I've heard from some people who feel more under pressure. You know, there's kind of doing oh, really? back-to-back Zoom calls and oh, okay. You know, there's a lot of people talking about this phenomena of Zoom fatigue, which is to do with eye contact and social contact. Yeah, people having to put more effort into communication because they're not seeing not physically present with each other. Because I think when yeah. people are physically present in an office, they get lazy. Because yeah. I'm there in a room with you, I'll assume that communication is taking place. Mm. Whereas what we're doing with these uh, you know, online meetings is we're having to make an effort, we're having to plan, we're having to you know, think about what we're going to talk about, what the meeting's going to be about. And, you know, and that, you know, that's having an interesting effect. And some people find that more tiring um, yes. than a regular day in the office. It just, uh, there is something about Zoom. It does seem more and more tiring somehow. Yeah. Um, so let's, um, let's go back and share the screen again. So I, I do love these, um, I do love these videos. Yes. And I think definitely you should put them, uh, you know, the fact that I didn't discover them. <laughs> yes. I That's think a very good idea. Definitely put them all over your other websites. Um, yeah. I, I link to individual videos when I post one on LinkedIn, but maybe once or twice and then a few people will comment and share. So because if, uh, if you look at my website, oh, that, that one, I've got to change that one. But I, I just get like on every page, I, uh, I tend to put um, videos and so on. Uh, just, just with my video message, whatever's on the page, I tend to uh, like have a video and then I have text around it. So uh, it appeals to both both audiences, people who watch like watch videos, people uh, who are reading text. And sometimes what I do is, um, when, I, when I do ever do a video, I get it transcribed uh, to servicerev.com, and then I can um, just post the transcription. Or if, if it was really, you know, if it was really important on my homepage, then obviously edit it and rewrite it properly. But um, the, then you've got it as both anyway. And then also do it as a podcast as well. And, sure. So I'm put on Facebook and YouTube and LinkedIn, uh, my videos. So I try and get every message. I just try and do once and get it as many different places as possible. No, so no, no, being the genius at work, uh, which is to do with, uh, I suppose, what we were just talking about. Uh, but it was, um, this is your blog, basically. And it's mm -hmm. interesting, you've got your blog on a different website rather than you could, for example, have on this genius learning. You could have like a blog thing as part of the same website yeah um i'm gonna add that to the social links at the top well the the, reason, at least that yes the, the 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 historical reason for that was that um one of my books is called genius at work and it it, okay. um, it, it describes the modeling approach to uh, to creating knowledge and so the the blog originally started as the blog of the book yes but it's but the book has now been around for so long that the, the blog's kind of <clears throat> i don't know I, I, I suppose moved beyond it it doesn't really relate to the book anymore so much I, it does in terms of theme but not in terms of specific content and so it's it's become more the sort of general purpose blog really now 
as yes. opposed to just promoting but i think well i mean i think yeah it's fine to have it on a separate domain but i think it's good to have like one place where they can go to and they can get links to all your sites uh easily yeah. <clears throat> so uh which presumably out of and you've got this site as well well this is your nlp tr training correct yes yeah okay so if someone's do nlp they come to this one but again that's not linked to from here is it or uh no, because Genius is more the corporate site, and corporate. I tend not to talk about NLP with corporate clients. Oh, really? Don't they like yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> probably 10 or 15 years ago, I was doing a lot of NLP training within companies. Right. Um, but there are so many other things that have come along since then. And often I find that when I'm talking to particularly HR people, they'll say, oh, we did NLP, you know, five years. Yes, ago. they would dismiss of... it. Yeah, because there's a yeah. lot of NLP people now. Uh, it's more reducing yourself to, to a commodity, I suppose, if you say. There, there is that. There is yeah. that. And also uh, knowing NLP is no longer an advantage, whereas for some people it's a disadvantage who you know, have a, a preconception about it, maybe. Um, so that's the reason that they're separate. Although obviously the YouTube channel is shared. So uh, I can be bothered to have two YouTube channels. Uh, and I've thought many times about merging the two together. My, my company is called Genius. So Genius is the parent, parent brand of any NLP. To be honest, the reason I keep any NLP around is for two reasons. One, it's a nice short domain name, anynlp.com. Yeah. Secondly, it's a domain name with NLP in it, which Google likes. Yes. So it stays around for that. And I think to have to have all of the public training stuff and the NLP educational stuff and the course dates from my personal view is to have that on the same site as the corporate programs, research case studies it is a lot of stuff to have on one website. Um, but, you know, if you if you advise differently, then I'm, I'll be interested to hear. What I think I think it's fine to have different websites uh and if they're for different audiences that's fine just keep them separate but if you want people to discover them all just have them linked to from your main website um how many pictures I, i'm sure i saw a picture of someone that i actually knew on here so i'm oh, trying right. to find it again I suspect uh, if you click on the image you'll see all of them oh okay that's easy right? i think if you click on it then it, oh there we yeah, go there you go a gallery will open this up is with the all order them. so um You've got a lot here, haven't you? Yeah. And, and obviously a lot of the images there that are on the Genius website are of me doing NLP stuff. So there is a little bit of crossover, definitely. Yes. Um, but I don't, make a, you know, I don't make a big fuss of it, I suppose. Okay. I think I... Are these your students or, or some of them your peers or teachers or so on? Uh, a, bit of, a bit of everything. Because um, I think the, I saw the guy who led my NLP Master Practitioner training. Oh, who was that? He was an American. Uh, I mean, it might just be someone that looks like him. But I've forgotten what, his what's name. What's his name? I've forgotten him. <laughs> <laughs> Michael he does Hall? this... What, what one? Michael Hall. Yes. Yeah, Michael Hall's in there somewhere. Yes, that's right. Yes, he does this metastates, doesn't that's he? That's right, yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah, there's a oh. picture of me and Michael Hall in there somewhere at the NLP conference. Oh, okay. There he is. Top there he is, that there one, yeah. Oh, well, that's great. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I hope he'll be delighted to know that he's had some publicity out of our interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I remember in my training I did with him, he, he did all these Peanuts cartoons. He, did his, um, he found a Peanuts cartoon that um, illustrated some point he wanted to teach and uh, yeah, put out on slides. I think <laughs> that's the only thing you remember. <laughs> Pretty much, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's very, very, very useful. Um, yeah. So, and you've written a lot of uh, books, haven't you? Mm, yeah. So, uh, I can't remember how many, but 13, oh, really? 14. Yeah. Well, you've got, um, you list them all actually on your um, LinkedIn profile. I think yes. so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Which is quite impressive. I mean, most people don't write any books, but you've written <laughs> Coaching Experience, Genius of Work, Change Magic, uh, etc. A lot about NLP. There's actually more than that now. Oh, really? 
and well, there's one one more that's kind of in in production yeah okay and um so you put them here on this page and each of these links to oh no they just go to another page where it tells you more about the book but then you say buy me from amazon and then you've got all your uh there you go there you can see them all uh yeah great so um so you sell books so and did you say you had courses as well like info products video courses this is yeah over these under learning uh, mm, trying to think where you'll get to those i think probably from any nlp because they're the two online nlp courses that i've got which i'm experimenting with different platforms um that's a very good question i don't know where you would go <laughs> <on the> website. <laughs> but presumably you have some sort of sales funnel so there is some way of buying the course uh that you presumably send out your email list or something or promote at some, some yeah point. sort of I, I i've seen people who've got these sort of long complicated sales funnels and i know that's yeah. all the rage but i hate them myself so i don't have Do one. You? <clears throat> i have a newsletter which um goes out whenever i feel like it which is partly sort of informative thought-provoking and then has a bit of promotions for for various things that are going on, might be books, might be uh, courses that are coming up, might be the online courses. Um, and that goes out to, I can't remember how many people, about 400 or something like that. So it's not massive. So if someone was interested in buying one of your online courses, how can they find out about them? That's a very good question. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. So is it something that you will fix uh, or change? Or? Well, there's a couple of platforms that I've experimented with. There's the kind of platform that has its own marketplace like Udemy. Yeah. So it's nice because the marketplace is doing the marketing. The downside yeah. is there are, I don't know, 20 NLP courses on there. And some of them are, are studio produced. And, you know, I might say that my content's the best. But for, for I'd some, prefer the course with better content than uh, yeah. Well, the, the the thing is, you know, what's going to attract people? You know, if someone's coming to the subject for the first time, they can't tell the difference in a good trainer and amazing trainer. Somebody says no, but going, what yeah, um, sounds good. I mean, for me, it's like I don't want to do a boring course. Mm. If I watch the trailer and it's just engaging, and I think, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, I want to, you know, then I'll, I'll just do that one. Really. I think that's the thing. I think it's yeah. getting people to <clears throat> to see it and engage it, and they'll either like your style or they'll like somebody else's, oh, yeah. and that's you know that's life. But um, the other platform which they're mainly on is Thinkific, which doesn't have a marketing. That's right. Yeah. Front end, so you do your own marketing. Yeah, exactly. So, so I've done that, and I've had quite a few people um, sign up. Well, I say quite a few. I don't know something at the moment, something like thirty or so, twenty or thirty, something. Yeah. Like that for a paid course, which is about decoding language. And then for a free course, which is an NLP introduction, um, more, I don't know, 80 or so, something like that. So you that. could put it on both, of course. Yeah, they, they are on both. And I'm on both. Oh, so you are on using me already? Yes. Okay. Because I was talking to someone last week, Andy Edwards, as, as part of my show, who's a motivational speaker. And, um, he knew someone who was really crushing it on Udemy and doing really well. And so we were looking at that and that's what he wants to do for his business portal. He wants to do on Udemy. Now I've done three courses on um, Udemy and none of them have done very well at all. So it sort of put me off, but uh, I know it does work for some people. Uh, mm. Let's just, i uh, just share my screen. Hang on and we'll have a look. Um, So there we are, decoding language for coaches. Yeah, so um, low sales basically. But if you wanted, but this would be good for someone if they wanted to consume your content. This is a very good sort of cost-effective way of doing it, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, uh, so you demi you've done your two, two courses, NLP Practitioner Foundation and... Uh, decoding language for coaches so is that going into this you were talking about that earlier weren't you the thing yeah. about the language you use shows the uh, 
your mind states behind it. Yeah, and certainly within the NLP community, that's something that I'm more known for, I guess, associated with. So specialism around uh, language structure, because yeah. most people, uh, most NLP trainers hardly cover it at all. Oh, really? Because they don't understand it themselves. And so they teach meta modelers just some useful coaching questions. And it isn't, it's the absolute, it's the very foundation of NLP. It is how all of the NLP techniques and principles were created. And so if we understand it, we can create, we can create custom techniques that are unique to the person we're working with and so on. Mm. So it's very important. And I think hence, hence why that video has had so many views uh, on the YouTube channel, because it's something which, you know, a lot of people contact me and say, I don't get this from any other NLP trainer. Um, right. So, you know, and there's a, there's a, there's a, a fairly busy um, meta model practice group on Facebook uh, where people come along and post stuff that they've read or stuff in adverts or stuff that their clients have said to them. And, you know, and we sort of have a look at it and trying to figure out what's really going on in it. So, um, uh, so I think that, that sort of thing is, um, is, is popular within the NLP audience. However, what I'm very mindful of is that the NLP audience is very small. Right. So um, I'm a member of something called the NLP Leadership Summit, which is a group of over a hundred of the world's supposedly most experienced NLP trainers. Yes. And um, <clears throat> every couple of years we get together and they all argue about, oh, we've got to do more about this and that, and you know, profile of NLP. And, and I keep making the point that outside of this room, nobody cares. Right. Uh, you, know, you get within even the same you know within the coaching community within the coaching community yes coaching is tremendously important and it's going to change the world and it's the most amazing thing ever yeah go down the local retail park and talk to the typical person they don't know anything about it and they don't no. care about it you know although people about. are um a lot of people know about tony robbins don't they yeah yeah definitely. he uses um a lot of sort of nlp techniques uh he, he does so yeah so, um, you know, it's big in, yes. in personal development terms, but personal development market is tiny compared to the, the market for, for, I don't know, for shampoo. Well, compared to shampoo, yes. But okay, but the target, the your sort of ideal customer, I suppose, is someone who owns a business. And uh, well, I think, I think part of the problem is, is that we, you know, and I'll, I can go on, I think probably every day on LinkedIn, I'll get a new connection request off somebody who's promising to get me loads of yeah. leads and appointments for coaching clients. And, and, yeah, yeah. So, and they've got this proven marketing method yeah, and yeah. this amazing funnel and so on. Every, every day I'll get yeah. somebody contacting me. And um, <clears throat> the, I, I think the challenge is if you're on a site like LinkedIn <clears throat> and you're connected with, let's say other coaches, Yes. Or other marketing people. You're inside this little bubble, this little echo chamber where everybody's talking about that subject. Yeah. And suddenly it seems like that subject is massive because everybody's yeah, talking yeah. about it. Yeah. Put your head out the window, nobody's talking about it. So I think no. for me, the, the, I've never really been that interested in working within mm -hmm. that closed community. So I'll go to the NLP conference but um, and speak at that for two or three years running, I think. And but it's a very closed little community. What I'm, you know, most of the people out in businesses who are actually spending money on my kind of services, HR managers, sales managers, managing directors, don't know and don't care about it. What they're interested in is how do I get people to do X or how do I get these people to perform better or how do I affect strategic change within the business? That's what they're interested in. So I think leadership is one of the things, isn't it? That's, yes. Uh, people is, is a good sort of way of, of positioning yourself um yeah. so um the um i'll just go back uh share my screen again because the guy um so in my um conversation with andy edwards we look at uh udemy and i think the guy's name was uh chris croft uh he does this leadership uh, like, like, yeah, here we go. This, like, this one has got 18,000. So this guy's crushing it. I think he lives in Southampton or something. He's got 58,000 students. So, and 18,000 ratings. So 
in terms of modeling <laughs> that's pretty so, good, isn't it? yeah so yeah this is what people want this is how it's packaging and everything i mean that's the beauty of the internet of course you can just see what people are doing and then the only difference why someone might want to do his course compared to yours is um personal brands really um mm -hmm. you know like him or like you so and i think with a site like udemy it's the same as you know selling books on amazon it's the same as ebay listings yeah. because of the way their ranking system works as soon as you get the head start yeah which typically you're going to get by being first to market that head start widens over time um and so for example with amazon when you look at the amazon rankings amazon's rankings have very little to do with book sales they, they don't represent historic book sales. They represent rate of change over time. Okay. Uh, acceleration, basically. So one of the ways that people scam the Amazon rankings is when they launch a new book, they get all their yes. friends to buy it on the same day. That's right, yes. And Amazon thinks, oh, wow, there's a big panic to buy this book. This is going to be massive. And yes. so they'll push it to the top of the chart to put it in front of more people to sell more books in a short space of time. So yeah. The Amazon sales ranking isn't a reflection of how many books have been sold. No. It's a reflection of what Amazon wants you to buy. Yeah. Which is exactly the same as the shelves in WH Smiths and Waterstones. In fact, you know, they're not even owned by the bookstores. They're owned by the major publishers. And what they put on the shelf is what they want you to buy. Right. Uh, which is not the best, often not the best books. Um, no. But the books of the highest profile authors and, and so on. Hmm. So, um, if you're a TV celebrity, you, you know, you're guaranteed to, to get on there while, whilst you're in your 15 minutes of fame. Yeah. And so I think that's a, a challenge with systems like Udemy because, because for me, they represent a, 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 that it's sort of inorganic growth that if you're in early and the production values are good and, and more people see, well, more people have bought that. Therefore that must be the best course. Yes. That unless you come along with something that's radically different in terms of content, um, then I think that that gap will will widen over time, and there comes a point at which there are more people entering the market, like you know, like I did, um, but probably yeah, have de decreasing returns the longer you leave it. Well, that is that is one that is one aspect, and of course, we all wish we'd have got in earlier. But um, on the other hand, it's still better to do it now than to wait five years and do it. So. I agree. Yeah. So the and, best and you're right, to do there it. will be some organic growth, there will be some people who yeah. go to Udemy and see my name and have read a book and they'll sign And the thing is, that's the, and also that's the idea of having all your other parts of the system working together, like creating a whole ecosystem where everything links to each other and they find on YouTube and um, then they come to your website, then they go to Udemy, then they go to Amazon, you know, so it's all, everything's trying to link together and then it all, all sort of goes up uh, to, together. Mm. So I'll, I'll quickly show you um, the sort of thing... Um, that I'm, I'm doing um, to, to market myself. So, um, I, uh, so I've, I've, got, I've got my basic website and then, I've, and then I, I, what I'm doing at the moment is I'm creating these uh, videos. So I post them, so I do lots of different videos uh, and I was doing one a day on my iPhone uh, and just putting them on my, um, like YouTube channel and, and, and Facebook and so on. But um, now I've started getting into doing these shows. There's, this is my live show now. <laughs> so uh, what I've, I really like to do in these shows, because I think, because I personally really enjoy doing the show. And then, yeah, this is one we talk about you to me. I like, I enjoy doing the show, but um, also I think they're more, you know, it's just useful content. Someone could be, if, if they're sort of like me or like you, they're sort of interested in, in the content because a lot of people are interested in marketing. And, we, you know, we've got different ideas how to do it. And uh, people are starting to respond. So mm. I'll just actually check my, um, I'll just see if anyone, if you're, if you're watching this, <laughs> do you want to leave us a comment? Uh, <laughs> and then um, this is your opportunity to um, chat to Peter live and uh say if you've got any questions or whatever so um, and that looks like you're advertising uh, are you running adverts as well for the videos and... yes as you can see because this one got twenty six thousand views i spent wow. 100 pounds on that so that was just really that was just a test uh, i was amazed by how many views now the reason i did that a was to test different audiences and things 
B, it was to create... Now, do you know what this is? So this is um, in Facebook Business uh, Manager. Uh, this is the audience page. So this shows... And you can create custom audiences. So I've created a custom audience of people who watch 95% of my videos. So 1,200 people have watched 95% of my videos. 2,500 watch 50%. 4... 3,000 watch 25% and 17,000 have watched 50, at least 15 seconds, which is the through play. So now when I do a Facebook ad, I can retarget these people. So right. I think this is, and as you can see, so this was, uh, this is an example. So my 95% video views, it costs 17 pence for a click compared to 32 pence a click if they watched 50%. So, uh, you know, I just thought, does, does that mean the number of different videos or does that mean the amount of you know, they've like given up 95% of the way through watching a video, or does it mean they've watched? So, so, uh, so what I, I did, this custom audience, I put about 20 different videos in there. And I said, if they've watched 95% of at least one of them. Right. So obviously, most of mine are five minutes long. So all these ones are five minutes long. So it's sort of doable. So now I'm, what I'm starting to doing as well, doing these shows, I'm starting to promote them. So obviously, if they watch 95% of a show, then they're really sort of like a sort of uh, uber fan because to sit through, you know, like 95% of an hour, <laughs> this is, <laughs> they must like what we're doing a, a bit more. So, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, so this, so this is like an asset. So this is like having an email list. And this, uh, I spend in total about, I think, £400 in ads to get this. So, but I think it's like a really good asset now. So this is what, part of what I'm doing. And then, um, uh, I, you know, I've got this system of, um, where's my website? So, yeah, so my sort of system is to create, create a video once, then put it on Facebook, um, LinkedIn, um, YouTube, uh, strip out the audio, put it as a podcast. And on LinkedIn, some previous episodes have got up to 900 views, which is, um, and most of those. So there's this software, because um, you obviously also publish to um, LinkedIn. Uh, so are you aware of this software, shield.app? Yeah. So it's a great software if, you're in, if you do LinkedIn content marketing, because you can put, these are all my posts. And I've sorted them here by number of views. So my top post, you see, got 2,157 views. So there's no, I didn't um, spend any money boosting these at all. This is all organic. And in terms of my um, interviews, the top one was, so far this one, a very interesting discussion, which was 895 views. And you see this is the post, view on LinkedIn. Uh, so this was with Melanie, which I did uh, three days ago. And you can see there, 898 views. So I love this. I, I love this because it helps me also. It tells you how many tags you've used. And I've started to use tags now in my posts because I realized now that I didn't really use tags before, but I've realized that, like this one, content strategy, content marketing, happiness, because she's... Uh, she, again, a lot of these people I interview, they, they're like ex-corporate and they left it to lead a happy lifestyle. So 1.12 million people have said that they want to follow this tag, content mm -hmm. strategy. They've actually gone there and they've clicked that. So what that means is, as well as my 15,000 contacts in LinkedIn, it uh, also goes out to market these tag followers. So that's it basically. So uh, <laughs> that's what I'm doing at the moment. And in the future, I just want to get into more doing lives, starting off more with, um, well, with Facebook lives, YouTube lives. So this is what this is. And also hopefully at some point I'll get authorized to do LinkedIn lives, which is where most of my audience is. Ah, what they're are LinkedIn doing that now, are they? They, you can apply to do LinkedIn lives. Yes. Wow. But sometimes it's not. I've spoken to two of my previous guests uh, are doing LinkedIn lives, and both them, they got 
uh, they had to apply three times. The first two times they applied, they just didn't even get a reply. But the third time they did. And what helps is if you're doing a lot of other live shows that you can show them. And also, um, if you can show like the schedule, you know, I'm going to do like a live a week or something like that, then mm. they're more likely to approve you. Yeah, I'm planning to start a, a podcast interview series. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> which I've started talking to people about. Um, and yeah, I think probably that's a good idea to live, to live stream that at the same time because that's easy to yes. do. Yes. Yeah, just do it from Zoom, live stream. Um, I use a service called restream.io, which means you can stream it to two different places, two or more places at once. Okay. So that's why this goes to restream.io and then that goes to uh, YouTube Live and Facebook Live at the moment. And then, of course, on Zoom, you can download the MP3 and then use that. You can upload it to anchor.fm and use it as a podcast. Ah. Anchor.fm, that's what you use. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, I and I've just um, I've signed up to, uh, what's it called, Buzzsprout, I think, or something like that, which oh, is a, a podcast distribution platform. So um, uh, I haven't got started with recording yet. So, uh, but I mean, what got me into it is there's a, a publisher I work with, they, they publish a couple of my books, and um, they their main business now is working through closed corporate libraries. So they'll sell uh, a, a content library to uh, some pretty big global customers. Um, and then all their employees can then access thousands of eBooks and they've just started since the lockdown. They've kind of changed directions a little bit. So they're doing a lot of audio content now. They're doing podcasts and expert mm. talks, they call them. So I've done four of those. Okay. And I've had people contact me on LinkedIn and say, I've just heard your, your expert talk on uh, remote leadership, say, and uh, enjoyed it. So, you know, I've had people <clears throat> get in touch organically through that. <clears throat> but one of the things I've been doing for them is interviewing um, people for a series of, of podcasts. Yes. Uh, so getting set up to do that has kind of got me into it and thinking, yeah, yeah. you know, I think this could be a useful thing for me great uh, it's, yeah i mean i really enjoy doing these talks and also everyone i've done i've learned something from uh so it's so what, have you, what have you learned in this one well well just you but just talking about this nlp and about you know things doing things differently and modeling other people i mean there's things so i knew vaguely before but just it sort of brings it alive and think it makes it more more real and something that i'm going to be more aware of really how to mm. I think I think for me, I mean, one of the things that's happened with the lockdown is I've been uh, straight away. I, I got back from training in Hong Kong the day that the lockdown started in the UK, and my my first thought was actually this is it, it's good that they're stopping the spread of the virus, but this is going to create a massive mental health problem that nobody's even thought about. Sure. So straight away, I started doing a, a daily Zoom call for anybody who wants to join it. Okay. Um, open to everybody, anybody one o'clock every working day okay. and a bunch of people turn up and sit and so you still do that to you yeah and so my, my my commitment was that would run every day while the lockdown is is on and how long is like an hour or something an hour so it's basically replicating lunchtime in the office okay get together with a bunch of, of weird people and <laughs> talk about whatever you talk about and you know we talked about anything so, so where's the link to that is that on one of the sites or? it's <laughs> no i don't think so um <laughs> got a, a custom short code um which is genius.li so the the name of the group is behind the bike shed um and so the short link for it is genius.li slash btbs hang on let's just gene so, so li is libya isn't it is it yes it's I bought a domain. Oh no, no, LY, LY is Libya. Because uh, I bought um, I because I bought the domain name Brolly once, B R O L dot L Y. <laughs> I was trying to resell it, but no one wants to buy it. Uh, you know, a lot of people have Brolly as their brand. Anyway, LI, I don't know what yeah. LI is. Maybe like BTBS, uh, which is behind the bike shed. That's it. Which is where people are naughty, amazing. Well, it's where people gather and exchange yeah. gossip. <laughs> the school, um, going back to the old so school. So what happens is a bunch of people turn up every... And it's, it, it was replicating lunch in the office. 
and we've talked about all sorts of so they click on that yeah and then they go to and then, then you'll, you'll so, join the zoom call at, that's uh, it one. um and you haven't had any those sort of troublemakers or anything did at the beginning but, um i had a couple of uh, calls gate crashed at the beginning and yeah. what i found is that hiding the zoom link behind what, what i figured that the kids were doing who were crashing zoom calls was googling the start of the zoom url okay so everybody who posts a zoom conference yes and social media and you see the problem is they say oh we'll put a password on it but yes or only admit you know people that you know yes but what if it's a public con you know if you're doing a public thing yeah keep, i know i agree yeah you can't you don't know who people are so no. And at first, you know, the kids would, would, would join with amusing uh, fake names. Um, yes. But then they changed it to like ordinary names, like, you know, Kevin Smith or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's impossible. If you're running a public event, it's impossible to tell who's legitimate there or not. Um, yeah, yeah. And so what I figured was I, I've actually hidden the Zoom link behind two layers of URL shorteners. Oh, okay. Uh, that's completely stopped the problem. Because they can't find it unless they, they actually came they can't to this search page, for which there's no way they would really find. I mean, it's hard enough for anyone to find this page unless they actually listen to this podcast or something. It's like <laughs> the world's best kept secret. Exactly. Uh, so so. <laughs> I, I, um, uh, so I, I, I mention it every so often uh, yeah, on yeah. Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter and in my newsletter. And um, so, yeah, I think people have, you know, we adapt to it, you know, and there's one guy who, he was he was you know particularly lonely living by himself and he's described mm. it as a as a lifeline just to chat sure. to people about nothing yeah yeah at first we we tended to talk every day about all oh, what's happening with the virus yeah. we get people from around the world joining as yeah. well um but i think you know there are some anything that we can that we can do to stay in contact because what i, I realized was that um, social isolation yeah, is yeah probably the most significant factor leading to depression definitely yeah and and the problem is that the person who's depressed doesn't know that they are yes but other people will see their change in their behavior yeah, but if yeah. you're not interacting with anybody yes nobody else has a chance to see a change in your behavior that's right and when you start to get depressed you actually feel less <laughs> inclined <laughs> to communicate with other people yeah so it's a problem which will once it started will tend to spiral over time yeah yeah um and so it's just been a <clears throat> at first i thought i've made a rod for my own back here yeah, yeah. i'm going to do this every day but yeah <clears throat> there's been a few days I've, I've had to do other things and i haven't been able to join but yeah i find it actually quite uplifting just to take that pause yeah um, and you know when i used to work uh, in the telecoms in the it industry back in the late 90s i worked for a company uh, where we had an office in hemel hempstead and there was a canteen in the office and the food was terrible. Mm. But what we used to do was, you know, you'd, you'd grab two or three people, whoever was happening, you know, and, and say, uh, you know, do you fancy going for lunch? And we'd go and sit in the, in the canteen and we would actually talk yeah, for yeah. an hour about yeah, non-work yeah. stuff. Yeah, and yeah. it depended on who was in the office each day. Sure. Um, whereas other companies I've worked for, you know, after that, where we didn't have that, you know, worked, working from different offices or based at home. Yeah. And, um, it's interesting what a i think that's one of the challenges i think for anybody who's self-employed mm. is maintaining that sort of social mm. contact that sense of belonging to something yeah uh, and i think over the years a number of people have tried to have a go at that problem usually yes. by, you know serviced office space um well there's different yes there's different ways of doing it and i suppose in my i mean i think um i'm all about building community as well like you are because i know that in the past you know i've i've been in that situation more isolation having so many friends or contacts and stuff and i know it's a massive problem for a lot of people and i just know that the more people i'm in contact with the happier i am and also we can learn from each other more you know just some business so that's why i'm you know at some point i'll have a mastermind group and instead of doing like maybe these one-to-one -one calls i'll have like more group calls and stuff like that so uh it is something that yeah i'm definitely going to look into in the future but anyway we're coming up to uh we're coming up to an hour oh yeah so well, i know you're probably very busy as probably our viewers are as well so um do you have any sort of final words uh before we end the call 
I think that's been interesting. And I think it's always, it's, I think everybody knows everything about marketing. Yeah. Yeah. But there's so much to know and so much to keep up with, especially these days when things are moving fast and changing fast and new platforms are coming along almost every, literally, I mean, almost every day I've had another, you know, another, another online learning platforms contacted me today. And I think it's really good to get an outside view and just as a little reminder of, yeah, there's something there that I, yeah, that's good practice. I should have done. Yeah. We're just, that's why I love doing this show because every person I speak to, I get new ideas from. So uh, yeah, it's just great to, um, to, to, to chat with people and so on. So um, yeah, it's been lovely having you on. And uh, so and your, your main website is geniuslearning.co.uk, isn't it? If anyone wants to uh, find out more about you and your work and so on. So um, yeah, or the shorter version, which is genius.coach. Oh, you didn't mention that. Well, so it points it, to the same website. Points to the same one, but it's quicker way of, on this of new type top, the top level domains. Yeah. Okay, it's been lovely having you on, and um, hopefully, you know, at some point in the future, you'll come back on and tell us about all these sort of amazing new things you're doing online and, and so. Oh yes, and <laughs> YouTube videos are going as a result of your advice. So yeah, okay. I love to. <laughs> okay, that's great. Okay, bye. Nice to watch you. Okay.